you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza. And as always today, we have a very special guest. And this is a conversation that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. It's going to be interesting, thought-provoking, and I do mean very thought-provoking and a lot of fun. Joining me all the way from Colombia is Herman Jaramillo. Herman before I read your bio and intro here, I just want to welcome you very quickly to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Tomas, I'm honored to be here, and thank you so much for opening up this space for me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And guys, so let me read to you about Herman here. We'll give you a little bit of context for what we're going to be talking about today, which, as I've mentioned, is 100% thought-provoking. All right. Herman Jaramillo is an infinite mindset coach specializing in entrepreneurs, toxic relationships, addiction, and inner child work. When he was eight years old, he started his first business selling lemonade and went on to work with Tower Records and manage a nationwide pizza chain in Colombia. Since going bankrupt in 2005, Herman found coaching at first to understand, then to change his life. After seeing the results, he dedicated his life to studying different techniques like angel therapy, psychic mediumship, addiction therapy, and several modalities of coaching to be of service to others, creating life and long lasting changes. So Herman, this sounds like quite a background. Again, it's a pleasure to have you today. Thank you. So, there are several things that grab me here, um, right up front. And number one is the fact that you have been an entrepreneur since you were eight, and you've you've done more in business than this mentions by a long shot. So, you know, tell us a little bit about the role that that kind of enterprising has played in your life. Well, business, I've always loved it. I have it in my blood. I came from a family um, here in Colombia. My parents are Colombian and my last name is Jaramillo and I'm Jaramillo Jaramillo. And that is especially a last name that relates a lot to businesses. Okay. My, especially a lot of my, all my uncles and, and aunts were business entrepreneurs and they had businesses here in Colombia and I had that in my blood. <clears throat> so initially when I was eight years old, I wanted the money. So because I used to ask for things in my house and that there's no money and that was the excuse, but said, I want to gain my own money. So that's where I started to sell lemonade. And when I arrived to Colombia, when I was 11 years old, I also, I love music. So I, I wanted to buy CDs and my father's like, I wanted to buy the whole Queen collection or Pink Floyd. And it's like, no, I only buy you one. <laughs> And it's like, oh. uh, so how do I get the rest? I mean, it's work for it. I'm like, sure. So I started to sell homemade chocolates, uh, uh, sandwiches. Uh, we made T-shirts with the logo of the school. 
And then I started to import CDs and, and one thing led to another. And I loved that. It was, I felt very natural in that space. And it, I was very prosperous doing that. Um, okay. My dream was to open up a, a CD store here in Colombia. So that's where I went into Tower and I got the fortune to go to Sacramento and meet the owner, Russ Solomon, and, and see how that had worked a lot until one day Napster came out. Oh. I was like, wow, yes. this is my dream going to the floor. It's, uh, it's, it's, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I said, like, if I can get it for free, why am I going to pay for a CD? So um, that's where my father had, I had helped him a little bit how to found this pizza chain here in Colombia. And he said, why don't you work with me? And that's where I came into the picture of it. And businesses, I love it. It's like one of the topics that if you and I sat down around business and talked about ideas, mm -hmm. I love that part. And I love to, to, to look at opportunities and, and see what is out there. And now that I'm even in coaching, I, I still continue to look at opportunities, not to go in, but it's like a hobby for me. And, okay. and it's something that's, I love to see how the economy works and how everything right now with COVID, I'm every day looking at opportunities, what, what is a good business to have in this kind of time that would support what is mm -hmm. happening today? Yeah. Yeah. And how has that shifted? Speaking of the, the COVID pandemic, um, you know, how has that shifted your focus this year on business? One of the things that I've been looking at, when, especially when I was in the piece of business, was there were two things. One was looking at businesses in a more humane way. Um, there's one thing that it's called infinite games and it's looking at a business through the lens of being of, of it being infinite. What do I mean about that? Normally we look at a business as finite. How mm -hmm. do we do this quarter? How are we going to solve this problem? How are we going to open up this city? And it's something very small. And I'm not saying to look at it from an ambitious way, but it's not only looking at it like how much did I sell this month and that's it. And now we're going to do the next month. It's how we're going to look at it long term in infinite term. So by doing that, also you have to look at it in a humane way, not only mm -hmm. look at yourself through a result or determine yourself through a result and not look at employees through a result, but look at them more long term. That is one of the things. The other thing is that it's also understanding how a business should be made from the start in a very, this might sound strange, but I, I would say this word, it's honest. I'm not saying that mm -hmm. it should sure. be dishonest, but very organized, not going improvising a lot. A lot of the times I tell people, for example, here in Colombia, you can open up a business very small and you don't have to pay a lot of taxes. But as soon as you start selling a little bit more, then you have to start paying taxes. What happens here? A lot of people do not put that into the numbers of the business. So I tell people, look at it long-term as if it was already medium size where you have to pay everything and understand the dynamics of your business through mm -hmm. that lens. Yeah. So it's this organization behind it so you won't go into it two or three years and like, oh, I didn't understand this would happen and probably lose the business or go into losing a lot of money or stuff like this. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Well, and the, the phrase infinite gains is intriguing. Now, is that something that you came up with or yeah. is this? No. Okay. I discovered this through the last book that Simon Sinek wrote. And oh, yeah. 
is um, James, I believe you pronounce it, Carsey or something like this, mm -hmm. um, that he created that like in the 80s, the infinite game theory. Right. And I started to understand this not only in business, but in our life also. I, okay. I, mm -hmm. That's why I call myself an infinite mindset coach, because I just had the experience of somebody tell me, hey, can you coach me to be a six-figure coach? And like, no. And it's not that I cannot do it, but I don't want to do that because I would prefer to create a coach or a person that independent of, he, of how much he makes during his whole lifetime, he will have a base that would be strong enough to be able to live his life. It's not mm -hmm. like I'm good if I get a partner or if I get a salary or I do this. I'm good independent or I feel in peace with myself independent of that. Yeah. Obviously, you will base your life during finite goals like get the six figure get the wife or get the husband or get the partner get a house stuff like this but you will feel that your life is more in order with yourself and that's where i go to the infinite because it's not like i get a pension i retire and that's it no it's independent of that i'm going to live 80 years what am i going to do after i get a pension for example or after i get i win the lottery whatever it's to look at that long term so that is something that I'm basing my life in who I coach also towards it. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, with being an infinite mindset coach, um, you know, what I've just understood is it's about not just the external goals or the external gains. So what do you help people to work through on the internal level? One of the things, for example, we're always looking for is why did I come here to earth? It's like okay. we look for the meaning, the purpose, mm -hmm. which is very important. And, and if you look at Viktor Frankl's Man in, Search of, uh, Man in Search of Meaning, he talks about this the whole time. Yeah. But if you read it in between lines, one of the messages I got is to look for meaning in every moment beyond the lifetime. Okay. Because mm -hmm. if you would ask me, 20 years ago, what is your purpose in life? And I would say become Gordon Gecko, Jeff Bezos, and Bill Gates in one. It's like oh, I was one. the most right. person in the world. Yeah. Um, but that changed in my life before I was to have a music store and stuff like this. And I started to see, okay, for example, today, now I, I'm, I feel more very natural in what I do as coaching and working with people. But am I only that? And this is not to see... I'm an ambitious person as, oh, I need to be more. It's like, what, what, who, who is Herman when he's not a coach? Who is okay. he when he's with, with his wife, with his friends, mm -hmm. with you talking in this moment? Yeah. And I started to understand this more in the moment and started to say, what is my purpose? But more long-term, more infinite. For example, and I started to look at values and I started to understand that it's very important. When you study stoicism, they talk about the four virtues and no. which are courage, justice, uh, moderation, and temperance. I believe there was only four. I forgot one in this moment, but, and wisdom, I'm sorry, moderation and wisdom. And if you look at that and you try to live, for example, based on any of those four, you have a mouthful for the rest of your life. Try to live courageously or from wisdom the rest of your life. It's like, first of all, define it and, and then try to live it. It's not, it's not easy. So, but once you start creating that, look at, look at the serenity prayer, for example. Mm -hmm. Once you start trying to use that in everyday life, 
you have something that, that will help you in any area in your life. It's not only towards relationships or money or business or whatever. And that's what I'm trying to look for in my life and other people's life the whole time. It's like, how can, for example, I have projects right now and I'm trying to look at them, but what happens if the project doesn't result? Right. Because in racism, they talk about you can, you can control the process, but you can't control the results. So mm -hmm. what happens if I don't do that project? What happens? Who am I? Am I nothing? No. So I need that base to be able to feel in peace with myself. So that's what I'm trying to work at. I'm trying to look for more from a loving place instead of fear. I'm mm -hmm. trying to look at the values, like I said before, and all these different concepts to be able to create that person that really gets to know him or herself in a better way, in a deeper way, and starts creating a different relationship of acceptance. When I talk about acceptance is okay. I accept even yeah. though I made a mistake. I accept even though all the bad stuff um, and all of these kinds of things. So that's where I'm aiming at the whole time. And, and, and that's, for example, inner child work that comes into the picture also around that part. Okay. Yeah, well, let's talk about both of those then, acceptance and inner child work, because acceptance is something that people talk a lot about, about allowing, about accepting. So how have you used acceptance to transform your own personal experience? One of the things I started to understand is today, whatever the date is right now, is September, but mm -hmm. if you're hearing it afterwards, you can say in this moment and look at what you did yesterday. As soon as you start looking at it, you will find easily a lot of mistakes, a lot of things oh, that yeah. <laughs> you did that unfortunately created a result that you didn't like. True. But look at it today and start judging myself and start saying I did something wrong. This might sound a little strong, but I feel it's being a coward mm -hmm. because it's easy to say today I made a mistake. The, the thing is, why don't I support myself? And, and, and this is where the inner okay. child went. What happens if I look at what I did yesterday that I believe was wrong, and I ask myself, why did I do it? It's not like I intended to do it to make a mistake, or I intended to do it to screw somebody up or to, to offend somebody. I did it because if you look at the core of it, it comes from our inner child as a way of survival emotionally in the world, okay. looking for acceptance, looking for mm -hmm. that recognition, that part of, hey, I exist here. I'm not invisible. I'm not rejected. And it might sound very strange, like you use that strategy to look for that. Yeah. I probably mm -hmm. got mad with somebody. What was I trying to get? Playing the victim. So somebody would say, oh, I'm sorry. And I pity you and stuff like this or whatever kind of way. And this is stuff these are defense mechanisms that we created when we were little. We uh -huh. created them out of the blue. It's not like we read a psychology book and said, okay, this is the best strategy I can do. No. So if you look at it, how we as a kid created that, first of all, you should be grateful and saying, wow, what a great job. Mm -hmm. The results that you're generating are not the best because probably we're making some results that are affecting other people or not letting us create what we want in life. That's not bad. How can I do something? And I'll put this air quotes better 
if I don't know there's something better, if right. I don't know how to do it differently, if nobody's taught me anything, if I already created a habit around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the part that I say around acceptance. If you really truly accept that, hey, I'm doing this out of survival and I'm not doing anything bad and I, and I hold myself accountable and I support myself completely, then that, that is looking for that. And if I'm looking for acceptance, then turn it back at me. How can I accept myself differently? Or how can I recognize myself? Or how can I love yeah. myself? That's yes. why I don't believe in self-forgiveness. You've never done anything wrong. Because how can you do something wrong if you didn't know how to do it, quote unquote, better or different? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting point about forgiveness. Let's talk about that uh, because you've got some courses and and some talks with very very interesting titles that um, are, are intriguing to me, and I think they will be to a lot of people. Uh, you know, around forgiveness, you've done a lot of work around this. So, what do people not understand about it that you feel they should? Well, when we talk around the, what I do with this, I believe, and I call it forgiveness is bullshit. Uh huh. Yeah. Why do I say this? Um, forgiveness, I divide into three parts. I forgive you for doing something that I feel was bad to me. Mm -hmm. I ask for your forgiveness because I did something wrong to you or something bad. And third, self-forgiveness. Mainly we've used forgiveness as a way of manipulation, as a way of creating a victim, um, yeah. For example, we, manipulation, I'll forgive you when you change or if you never do this again. That's what we were taught when we were little. Yes. We didn't understand the concept of, mom, please forgive me. Okay, I'll forgive you. But it was for her not to get mad at me. I didn't care about mm -hmm. forgiveness. What it, at the core, what is it? It's to let go of the strong emotions that we have of hatred, anger, frustration, sadness, and yeah. to make amends with our past. That's it. Mm -hmm. But when we use it that way, we never, we never do it that way. For example, we, we tend to use this as a power play also. Right. Um, I used to feel very guilty with everything in my life. So with past, past relationships, romantic relationships that I had, if they were mad or something happened, immediately I thought it was my fault. And I started to say, I apologize. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I started to change who I was just to adapt and, 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 and to favor that other person. It wasn't because I want to change. Um, and the yeah. other thing was, who am I to say who I can and cannot forgive? I feel it's like I'm feeling like, God, I'll forgive you, but I won't forgive that person. Right. And it, 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 it's become an ego trip. And we say constantly, you, ha you have to forgive. I, I used to have therapists and coaches that said, you don't create what you want in life because you haven't forgive yourself. And for example, my father, which I had a difficult relationship with. So okay. I felt terrible about it. Mm -hmm. And I started to say, okay, I, that's not an on and off switch. It's not like I forgive, I don't forgive. I forgive, I don't forgive. No, it was like, it, I, I started to see my father again and I obviously let go of the forgiveness and got back into it. I saw who I was and it's like, how can I forgive myself? I hate myself. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it and, and, and I'll give you the very short version is one, how to forgive people. The best way is to use shadow work. It's it start to okay. identify and then what is something that they're showing to me about myself that I haven't recognized or I don't want to see about myself. So I started to see my father patterns that I didn't like from him, but I was doing the same with other people. So 
Here I change forgiveness to gratitude and, and mm -hmm. say, okay, I let go of my father and I concentrate on myself because that's something it would be good for me to work on and to not do the same. The second okay. part of asking you for forgiveness, I believe in change, but sometimes I don't have to change. What happens if I tell you something that affected you, but it wasn't because I did something wrong, but you have a, a wound from your childhood. And I just said the magic word and you went haywire. It wasn't my fault. So I don't have to ask, I don't have to apologize. You don't have to forgive me. But one of the things is to understand if I really want to change or not, because probably I might say, because when I do something wrong to you, it's like, okay, Herman, I did something wrong. I should not do that again. So I won't affect you. But it's not that I want to affect you, but probably we're not compatible. And I would say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm not going to change. That's part of my nature. Bye. I'll leave you. Right. And the third one, self-forgiveness, how I explained before, I don't believe anybody has done anything wrong. So I believe we should change this to be more pragmatical and even more loving towards other people and towards ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, this is very interesting. It's an interesting take. And thank you for walking us through a little bit of that from your own experience here, because I think this is something that people misunderstand. Uh, they, they completely misunderstand it. And you talked about the conditional forgiveness. Um, I'll forgive you if you don't do this ever again. Um, mm -hmm. There's guilt associated with that. Which of these three areas of forgiveness that you just walked us through do you find the most difficult? Mm, good question. Um, for me, it was initially to forgive other people. Um, okay. The relationship I had with my father since my teenage years, I was an only child. My mother was our buffer zone, and she passed away when I was 18 years old. Okay. And it was very difficult. I'm not saying... It's, it's how I interpreted things. When we talk about our parents, we, we tend to feel it's, it's, it's a sin or we cannot do it or ungratefulness. No, it's very objective. It's, it's very saying, okay, I am how I interpreted the love that my father gave me was a way that I felt it was not loving and we butted heads a lot. And okay. it was very difficult for me, for who I am. So when I went back to work with him, it was even more difficult because in a job with, with money in between and all these kinds of things and mm -hmm. the generation gap, it was even worse. We, we were in a constant fight and it was very difficult. So for me was the typical that can happen to a lot of people. Why should I forgive him or let him off the hook for all that he has done to me? Okay. And yeah. that was the, the, the very, very difficult for me. And until I understood the shadow, I was able to let go of that. And from 20 years of fighting almost on a daily basis, within oh, wow. like seven years, we've only had a couple of fights and that's it. So okay. that's, that's where I believe it is. And I'm not saying it's as friends. No, but we have a very respectful um, way of, of communicating. We talk a lot. Um, and, 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 and that for me is great because he's my father. I don't want to fight with him. Right. And, and, and shadow has helped me work with other people also because I was bullied in school and all these kinds of things. So it's, it's, and I've been ripped off and all these kinds of things that has been done to me. So to work on that on a constant basis has been challenging, but at the same time has been very good for me to grow as a person. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it is really, really good growth work, but challenging 
No question about it. So I know that there are a lot of listeners out there who can relate to having a difficult relationship with a parent. That's something that a lot of people can relate to because they've experienced it. So how much time were you engaged in the shadow work um, in attempting to work through this before you began to see breakthroughs or the results in your own life? I did shadow work for about a year because I found mm. it fascinating. I just saw the word shadow and it's like, it sounds cool. And I went <laughs> into that. It was very curious. It wasn't like somebody recommended. And as soon as I started to study it, obviously I, what I did was use it with my clients. This mm. is your shadow. This is your shadow. And then one day I found myself working with, with an employee in the pizza chain and how I treated him, I saw his face and it was like, whoa, something happened here. And I said, I made that instant click and I saw myself acting as my father acted to me, creating ah, that same fear and all of this. Yes. And then I made that click and it was from then on from zero to a hundred and almost in a second. Mm. I started to see my whole life right there pass by with everybody around me and everything that affected me. And I started to see the shadows and I started, for example, if you do a lot of shadow work, you will find common denominators among mm, a lot sure. of people that the same thing that bothers me of other people, it's going to be in, in among a lot of people there. So I started to see this and immediately I started to make the change. Obviously I had to go into a very humble place and feel of a lot of humility there because it wasn't easy to accept that, the person that I felt victim of, that I felt that my life was not working because of him. Yeah. Now I, I cannot use this as an excuse. Now I have to gain the responsibility because I, I, mm -hmm. I believe there's something I also say, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Oh, uh, yes. That okay. your past is not your fault, but your present and your future is your responsibility. And, Sort of, you can believe that before ignorance is bliss. So in that moment, I didn't know it was easy for me to blame my father. But as soon as I was not ignorant, I knew the information. It was like, oh God, now I have to make, I have to be responsible of this. And now I have to take action on my behalf and stop blaming my father and stop yes. blaming the heart and stop looking for pity and now really go and do inner work. So mm -hmm. it, it was instantaneous once I got to see it, but it wasn't initially because it's not easy to look at it. We no. were very proud people and, and to play mm. victim is, it's great. It's, it's easy. It's, it, we all love it. I, I believe victimhood is, is, is a show of self-love and, and that's what we're trying to do. That's why we play victim because we're trying to look for a way to be able to, Hey, love me one way or another, but <clears throat> that's what we tend to do. So, mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's a very, very rich subject matter. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit more about a definition of shadow work for listeners out there who may not be familiar with the term. What, what exactly does this encompass? This was created by Carl Jung, a psychiatrist uh -huh. and a student of Freud. Sure. And mainly what he found among his thousands of clients was everything that bothers us, that we do not like from other people is something we don't identify, we don't want to see, we don't want to look at, we don't want it to be part of us. Mm 
Mm -hmm. For example, when you point your index finger out, you're pointing three fingers in. Yes. So you're three times that that you're judging another person. What you're doing is projection. This and all this started out when you were little. Mm -hmm. Parents say said to you, "Don't do this. Don't act this way. Don't talk this way. Don't follow this dream. Stuff like this." So obviously, to adapt to them, we started to deny that part inside of us, and started to put it onto other people. That's what projection is. Yeah, and that's where we start creating the shadow inside Mm -hmm. of us. And there's also light shadow. The best way to identify light shadow is everything good in other people. What I mean about this and look at it very, and this might sound strange, but when you envy somebody, mm-hmm. you envy the good in them. That is your shadow. It's, it's saying to you, I also am that. Yes. And, and, and for example, here that it, through shadow work, one of the most important things to understand is that every human being has the capacity to be the next Hitler or the next Jesus. And that's one of the things we don't understand. For example, Carl Jung used to describe a lot. If you read a book around World War II of of the Nazis and Holocaust and everything like that, you can read it from three ways. One, to learn about history, humanity. Mm -hmm. Another, to read it as a victim, as, whoa, it's very hard what they did unto these people. The third is to read it from a perspective if I was in that time, I probably could have been one of those people that tortured Jews or that mm. this is wrong. And I have that capacity. And once you start identifying that, that's also acceptance. Because people say, I would never be able to kill somebody. Tell that to a mother. They're taking away the, her baby if she's not able to kill somebody. It's mm. most surely that they can. And sure. I'm not saying good or bad, but that's part of who we are. Mm. And the more that you understand that, quote unquote dark side of us it's even better because we understand the light part of us which is the beautiful part of us and right. that also we have the capacity we can do something very beautiful to help the world or yeah. to help some but we need to understand that so shadow work helps us identify that through other people mm-hmm. who we truly are and why we're not identifying those things and how we can rescue them to be more whole and to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and you mentioned that once you saw yourself, referring to the example with your father, once you saw yourself in his behavior, in his speech, then the transformation was rapid. Yes. Almost, almost instantaneous. Yes, completely. Mm-hmm. Now, have you seen that type of transformation in a number of different people or is this an experience that that you had does it take other people longer it depends on the person and where they are because okay if we have a lot of resentment towards a person and anger Mm -hmm. it's harder to see it because obviously our ego says you're perfect man it's like you're not (laughs) like that don't believe that he is and all of that you're better than that so i've been working with shadow over 10 years and with my clients around 10 years and there's hasn't been a moment that i haven't found the shadow for somebody or for myself okay mm-hmm. there have been moments that for me it's hard to look at my shadow but it's pure feeling proud it's it's, it's more of i don't i want to deny that part i don't want to see my truth um, although the truth will set you free, but at the same time, it's not easy. I, I'll yeah. put another one. 
um, you can't handle the truth, like Jack mm. Nichols used to say. Yes. So it's, it's not, it's not, and we've been taught to fear the truth. We've been taught mm -hmm. to love more lying than the truth because the truth can bring us problems since we were little. So that is something that it's hard for us and, and that's where somebody external can help. I tell people to look for somebody objective and also to, to do the inner work, it's hard. And, and, and it becomes sometimes even tiresome because um, everything that I don't like, so it's a shadow of mine. Yeah, unfortunately. So it's right. like, I'm screwed up. I'm, I'm a terrible person because look at all of this that I, I'm not, I don't want to see in other people. And, and in myself, I'm, I'm just looking, I don't want to see it in myself either. So it's, it, it becomes sometimes it's hard, but it's, it's very deep and wonderful work. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it seems like it's worth the effort. Um, would you say that for, for people? Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's, it's so interesting because people are so resistant to even acknowledging or looking at our, our, our so-called shadow or our dark side. And, uh, you know, in your experience, why, why are people so resistant to seeing this? when we know it's there. Because when we were little, everybody told us you have to be perfect. Ah, uh, yes. And that's what, and, and if you're not, we're all the time battling between acceptance from other people, belonging. We as a human being have this in our DNA. We need to belong to a group, a society, a tribe, whatever. Right. If we're feeling that that is, that is going into a problem, we identify that and we immediately convert into somebody different. We even create a gap between who we truly are and who we become to society. And there's an archetype that's called the prostitute, which mainly says, hey, society, who do you want me to be so you can receive me? And I become a prostitute to the society. Everybody oh. has that. So unfortunately, one of the things that people condemn a lot is for you to be quote unquote bad. So they say, don't cry. Don't get mad. Don't shout. Don't do all of this. You copied, so that's wrong. They expose you from school. You robbed something. They expose you from there. You go to jail. And everybody's telling you from when you were little, don't do anything bad because you'll mm -hmm. get in trouble. We won't accept you. We won't love you and all of this. So it's all this time understanding. But, but the question is, why do you do it? For example, a lot of people like, why did you rob if you have money? Oh, I was trying to call attention of other people. Or why did it hit somebody? I was trying to defend myself. But at the same time, it's acceptance. All the time is looking for that acceptance. We, we have this big emotional void, unfortunately, as society through that. And one of the things is, I tell, for example, in couples and all of this, or, or among relationships is, talk among each other through your fears. What are your fears and what are my fears? Okay. A lot of the people don't understand that part. So when we were little, if certain families don't, don't let to talk about that, but others, it's hard to talk around our fears. Like tell our mother and our father, I'm afraid of this. Some mm -hmm. people might come up like, you're a man, you should not be afraid. Yeah. Or if you're afraid, you have a problem. It's like talking around suicide or stuff like this. A lot of people, I, I used to, think around suicide. But if you talk about that publicly, you have to go to a hospital, you're, you're sick, you have to go to a psychiatrist, there's something wrong with you. So if I cannot express who I am, with all that comes in there, that's very natural. And if you want to blame somebody, blame God for creating us this way, because he created all with all these emotions with the good and the bad. 
And unfortunately, we as a society don't understand that. And if somebody wants to come up and say, I've thought about this, doesn't mean I'm going to act upon it. And there's somebody judging that. Why am I going to express that afterwards? And I have to hide that and I have to go into a closet. And that's unfortunate. So later on, one way or another, it'll explode because it, we have it all inside of us. And that's where yeah. a lot of acts of violence come like, where did that come from? Why did you shout at me? Why did you hit me? Why did you act that way? It was like, it's always there. But since nobody understood that and nobody helped me see it from a more, more when it started and look at it this from a very natural way. When I worked with addicts, I got to work with witness protection. And I got to work with hitmen, drug lords, gorillas, oh, wow. and all these people. And one of the things they said, you're not like me because you've never been, you never killed somebody and stuff like this. I'm like, yeah, sure. But mm-hmm. let me ask you, what are your, what, what are your fears? And they said, ABC. I'm like, those are the same I have. Let's talk sure. at that level. I don't care what you did or didn't do. I didn't care if you raped five women. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, but initially let's talk from a way that you feel that you're the same as i and i'm mm-hmm. the same we're all the same at that level from then on yeah it's different because there are opportunities that's where we were born or who our parents were and all these kinds of things that create somebody different but at the core we're the same mm-hmm. yeah well and we are um, at the core the same and now were these people the um the hitmen that you were referring to, the people that were involved in the drug trade, are these your clients that came to you? It was in a, in a foundation of, a, of addicts that I got to work for four years um, as a therapist there. And they okay. made a, a, a business with the government and they sent us these people because part of the witness protection was to help them get out of drugs. So they okay. sent us people there and we got to work with them, um, which was one of the best experiences in my mm. life. So oh, yeah. I love that. Well, I can imagine that would be very intense. How long ago was this that you had that experience? That was like five or six years ago, and mm. it wasn't so intense. Um, one of the things, if you get to look at past the actions and at the person, it's different. If you stay at the point of, yeah, I killed this person, or I sold this, or I did that, you're not looking at the person completely. Once you take that veil out of the, 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 that curtain out of the way and you start looking at the person. I, I once did this with a drug lord. He was, he was uh, a gorilla leader and also a counter gorilla leader. He sold okay. drugs. He was a big guy in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I did an exercise and I said, look at yourself in the mirror directly at your eyes and tell me what you see, what do you feel? This guy did the exercise in like five different mirrors. He took off his glasses. He put them on. He said, I don't have the slightest idea who I was talking to in the mirror. I didn't Mm. understand. And you start looking at that with a uh, hitman. He talked about his children and he could have seen his face light up like a little child looking, going into a Toys R Us or looking at a big cake or stuff like this. It was the most beautiful thing to look at. And people re- being able to say, or I remember when he talked about how he raped his, his sister. Mm. He had never told anybody and to tell us yeah. and not feel judged. Like, oh, finally I could be able to tell somebody nobody would, would judge me. That, mm. 
and, and, and that's the thing, to create those spaces for them out of love and to feel that, hey, you're not the only one. Um, I have felt things like that. I, I haven't raped anybody, but you can rape mm. somebody emotionally. You can kill oh. somebody emotionally. Yeah. You can do all those kinds of things. You tell somebody they're useless and they're dead, but living. Um, stuff like this. So it's like to help them understand that they're not alone that they're beautiful people that they can change and understand why they did what they did. For example, the drug, the, 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 the person that looked at himself in the mirror, he took, um, he, he used to take a lot of Coke because he wanted to numb the pain, okay. but he numbed the pain out of the violence that he did, but he did the violence because of how his father treated him when he was little. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it from there, it's like, you're not the bad person. Look what happened to when you were little. And because of that, you became a violent person to let go of the anger. And that's why you started to use Coke to numb the pain. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that piece. I know that uh, listeners will find that very, very fascinating because it's such deep level work. And it's deep level work no matter where somebody comes from. And all of these wounds come up for us as adults and they lead to another subject that you work with directly and that's toxic relationships. So let's talk a little bit more about that because um, when you work with people around toxic relationships, do you have a particular approach to this subject? How did I arrive to that subject? I, I had several relationships before with women that we're toxic, but I'm not saying it's nobody's fault, first of all. That uh, sure. Maybe it's not to blame, even though I blame people in that moment. But fortunately, I got out of it and, and I started to do a lot of work. And then I went into a marriage that I've been there for 10 years and it's okay. been non-toxic. But, oh. I, but I received a lot of clients and everybody was going through toxic relationships. And they were asking, how, what should I do about it? And they're asking me, what did you do, Herman, to live? to be in a good marriage and all these kinds of things. So I started to understand this differently. And I started to understand that what happens here because of the wounds that we had when we were uh, little, we started to create emotional voids. Okay. And one of the things is unconsciously we go, we grow up, we look for a partner and this doesn't matter if it's men or women. I work around more feminine and masculine energy instead of, this is a woman or this is a man or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going there. The thing is to understand we unconsciously look for a partner and we try to recreate some part of our childhood years that we couldn't fix or we couldn't feel good at with that partner. So we tend to use that partner and that partner uses us to look at that. When this happens, one, one of the things happens here. W one of us goes into feeling like a parent the parent, okay. what, what he or she does. That person tends to fix, to get permission, to solve, to help the other person. The other person is the child. It's the one that brings in the problems, that asks for permission, that brings in the drama. And both of them make a perfect relationship because they feed off each other and they make each other feel accepted and feel good. Okay. What happens here? After a while, the parent quote unquote, the parent might say, okay, I need somebody more mature. I'm tired of you. Grow up or I'll leave and I'll look for somebody else. Or sometimes the child might say, 
I already have a mom or a dad. I don't want you to be that. Buy and leave. There's okay. a saying in Spanish, and I'm going to put it in English, that says, what you don't resolve comes back. Lo que no se resuelve, vuelve. Sounds mm. better in Spanish because it rhymes. But in English, it, it's like that. So that's why we constantly repeat the same things. We believe all men are bad, or all women are bad, or God has it onto me, or it's karma, or it's bad luck. No. Yeah. You unconsciously, from your inner child, are looking for that. You feel that you're a child, you're looking for a parent constantly, or they're a parent, they're looking for a child. So this concept starts to constitute toxic relationships. There are two other words that a lot of people are very hectic to talk about and very scared, abuse and trauma. Okay. We tend to look at those two words only from people that passed through a war, PTSD, or, or children that were raped or hit with an iron, stuff like this. But mm -hmm. people haven't considered a lot that abuse, it's very easy to do. For example, emotional and verbal abuse. Yeah. When a parent comes in mad because of their job and tells their kid, shut up by accident, they might be the most loving person or ignores them or stuff like this, that is abuse. And that mm -hmm. starts to create trauma inside of us. So I believe everybody has been abused one way or another and everybody's been traumatized one way or another. And it's not to compare to other people. So when you go into a relationship, when this dynamic of a parent and a child, and you're going out of all these fears of not feeling alone, not feeling rejected, of not feeling like a failure. Mm -hmm. So you do all these kinds of things to maintain a relationship. There's going to be abuse and there's going to be trauma out of it, obviously. So it goes into this cycle, unfortunately, of not a healthy relationship where it's based more on fulfilling my own emotional voids and the other person doing the same instead of, hey, let's work together. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that you would be able to do it is two adults and, 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 and two adults, what are, are they in a relationship? Two independent people that have their own goals, some common goals. And the biggest thing is, they do not need the other person. They want to be with the other person. When you need somebody else, right. you're in a toxic relationship. But one of the things I started to look at this is we call them toxic relationships, but we still are there. You can describe this to a person. Hey, this person is treating me very bad. You can tell them you're in a toxic relationship. Should I leave? And it's like, if you want to, but they stay there or they look for somebody similar. So I believe toxic relationships is something that also it's not true. Why is this? If they were toxic and I know it's toxic, I will leave it, but still I stay there and still I look for more toxic relationships. So they start serving a use for me. They start benefiting me from a very ironic, very bad way, right. but they're serving. That's why I'm staying there. If not, Hey, sorry, I, I, I love myself enough and I'll leave it but we stay there. And I used to have toxic relationships and, and it was my responsibility and the other person's responsibility mm -hmm. and maturity and all these kinds of things. But they treated me and I permitted that in ways that unfortunately were not good enough. And, 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 and what was that? So I started to understand why did I stay in those relationships and why did I crave them? For example, I had one that left me a couple of times. I almost converted into a religion. I started to do all these kinds of things that I, who are you, Herman? And I started to say, oh, I do this because I don't want to be alone. And this is benefiting me. And that's why I'm here. So it's not toxic. It's good. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, now my my definition of relationship is different. So, <laughs> right, yeah. Well, and, and this is so common. So I'm happy that we're talking about this on, um, you know, you know, on the show because there's so many people that are involved. Either if you're listening to this right now and you are involved in a toxic relationship or you have been, I know you can relate to this. So, what do you do uh, then um, once somebody reaches the point where they know that this is serving an ego purpose for them and they're ready to take the next step and actually get out of that. So what, what do you recommend that people do when they recognize, okay, this is serving a sick sort of need for me. I'm ready to get out of it. What's the next step? Well, yeah, like you said, the first is identify that I am, it's benefiting me and why it is benefiting me. What, what yeah. am I getting Really, what, what am I really getting out of this? Because that's the wound that it's important for you to work on. So there's a, a law in the universe that I, I strongly believe by, and that's why I call it a law, mm-hmm. that says, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I, as soon as I start to change, the other person changes or leaves. So what happens here is one of the difficult things is this. I might identify I'm in a toxic relationship. I understand why is it, but I'm with that person. And there are obviously a lot of pragmatical things in the, in the way mm-hmm. we might have children. We might, I might depend financially on that person. So it's right. a lot of people, should I leave or not leave? And it's like, let's leave that aside because even if you could leave right now, there it's, it's easy. I, I don't want you to go back into those old steps. I don't want you to repeat that pattern. So it's first understanding this part and, and first of all, also to give the, 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 the relationship an opportunity. But mm-hmm. obviously I have to do a deep work and hopefully my partner will go into that deep work because what would happen with that partner? You've changed a lot. Yeah. Okay. I like that change. Tell me about it. I want to change or look, you're not serving me. I cannot, I, I, I cannot use you. So goodbye. So that's one of the hard things. And that's one of the things that people get scared of. What happens if my husband or my wife leaves me? That can happen. But what is more important in your life? And then you have to go into a very deep work understanding how I don't need other people to feel better with myself. But how can I give myself that that I'm looking for in other people to give me? Okay. So, And that's inner child work that's Unfortunately, one of the things that I believe we're trying to fix the world and climate change and all these kinds of things, I believe if we would concentrate on working how to fix our past, then that would be the solution to world peace and everything Mm -hmm. like that. We we look at all these kinds of techniques and I'm saying they're good or bad, but unfortunately, it's it's not for everybody. It's I haven't found one that you would say this is the best one. No, and it's not for right. everybody. Yeah. Look at hypnosis, EMDR, all these <laughs> kinds of NL, all these kinds of things. They're great, but there's not not a perfect one. And and I believe we should continue working on that because people need to really understand and let go of their past and and be able to feel more in peace with themselves. Because once yeah. that why do I have to get in a fight with you? I feel good about myself. I feel whole. You can tell me anything. It's like, yeah, that's your problem. It's not mine. But I get engaged because I feel that you're reliving my past. So that's where I go into violent parts. 
and stuff like that. So that's that's mainly it. Yeah. Well, and this is this is really a, a wonderful piece here about the deep work. And you know, you said something that I really want to repeat because I think it's worth repeating is, is the question for people to ask themselves, how can I give myself what I'm looking for in other people? Right? Mm. How can I give myself what I'm looking for in other people? And you are involved, Herman, in so much of this deep work in very different arenas. So how can listeners get a hold of you if they want to take this to the next level and actually do some of this? Thank you, Thomas. Um, yes, I, I do processes with people. I don't, I don't uh, tend to do one session and that's it. Because right. Even though, for example, I do all this intuitive work. We didn't talk about angel therapy and psychic and reading, energy mm -hmm. reading and all of this. We get a lot of answers from it. And that's where I went into coaching because part of it is we get information, we receive it to our head. And, and, and the indigenous people had a beautiful saying that the most important path you should recover, you should do in your life is of 18 inches from your head to your heart. Right. Once you put it into your heart, you start taking action. So the thing is, we're scared to go into this process. We, we, right. I, I'm one of them. I, I used to like, give me the magic pill, <laughs> let me as easy and effortless and painless possible. But once you go into this very deep, it's, it, it's life changing. So it'll take mm -hmm. a while. I'm not saying 10 years, it'll take some months. It depends on what you want to work on. Mm -hmm. and, but that's where I accept people into process three, six months. Um, and where you will understand yourself. I will help you there. I will guide you and support you the whole way. I'm not going to leave you alone. And what we work together is first understanding who you are, why you act, what happened in your childhood years and how you can let that go from a loving way and then be able to reunite with yourself, with your inner child and okay. feel whole from there. So mm -hmm. to get in contact with me, the best way is through my email. It's Herman Jaramillo and Jaramillo is written J-A-R-A-M-I-L-L-O at gmail.com. Um, that's the best way and we can hop on a call and and uh, talk about this and, and see if we're a good match and that's the best way and, and that's what I do and also workshops from time to time that comes up. I love it. All right. Well, let's repeat that email address then. Um, so it's H-E-R-M-A-N-J-A-R-A-M-I-L-L-O at gmail.com. All right. And Herman would love to work with any of you that is serious about any one of you that's serious about this deep level, deep work. So Herman, one more quick question here before we wrap up. This has been thought provoking. As I mentioned at the outset, I knew it would be. I love this. Okay, so do you have um, one last suggestion for somebody that might be afraid? Like actually considering doing this work, but they might be afraid to do it. Any suggestions for these people? First, you're not alone. Um, I believe everybody is, is, is in the same place you are different mm -hmm. scenarios different part external and second it's not your fault it's it's really you haven't done anything bad it's it's mainly you've tried to adapt the best way possible to the world and 
and you've done your best. It's, it's to open up your eyes to something new, but it's not your fault. You haven't, that's something I almost tell myself on a daily basis, not your fault. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting myself off the hook, but it, I'm, it's not my fault, really. And, right. Yeah. And that's something that should be said almost on a, everybody should tell themselves. Right. Yeah, most definitely. You're not alone and it's not your fault. All right. Well, Herman, I've learned a great deal while we've been talking today, and I know that our listeners have too. And this has been a wonderful conversation. I want to thank you again for joining me here today. Tomas, thank you. I love being here and I love being around the people that you're helping also, and you're doing a marvelous job. I bringing in more people like me and, and to be able to help other people and be of service and to create a different world. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, you're most welcome. And it's my pleasure. This, this is just a place where we do bring in people that are doing this hard work because it is hard work and it's so worth it. So I, again, this has been Decide to Transform, and Herman Jaramillo is available for you to contact. You can look at the write-up here as the show's released here on Podbean, and this will be available anywhere you listen to podcasts within a couple of weeks here. So, Herman, again, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been a real pleasure, and guys, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Tomas. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>